Hey, Chirocasters, this is Dr. Drew Rubin. Looking forward to bringing you the next episode of our Chirocast podcast, always sponsored by some of our great chiropractic supporters who are into philosophy, into the science, and into the art of chiropractic, and that's ChiroRite, Now You Know, and Preferred Chiropractic Doctor or PCD. I'm excited to bring you this latest podcast, and now here it is. All right, thank you so much for coming today. Um, I'm so excited to share with you about the infant cranium. Um, the, the cranial work is so important for uh, children. There's so many reasons why we need to, uh, to work on the infant cranium. Um, one of the most important things we have to understand is, is how valuable this work is to the kids because Here's the deal, like if we look at the, like here's the infant cranium, right? And what comes out of the base of the infant cranium, right? Yeah, I know it's the, we got the frame and magnum, right? The spinal cord, right? Okay, got that. But I, what I'm talking about is there's other things. Matter of fact, there's 12 pairs of other things, right? The cranial nerves, right? So the cranial nerves come out of the infant cranium and those cranial nerves go everywhere. Right, and for a little baby, some of those cranial nerves are actually all of them. But the, these nerves are, are super essential. They are essential for that baby to work. Right, these those cranial nerves are the things that allow it to eat. They're the things that allow it to digest. It's the things that allow it to to go to sleep. Right, to see, to hear. All these things are so super important. So um, imagine a baby comes into your practice. And uh, the mom says that they're having uh, latching problems and nursing problems, right? So if the baby's having latching problems and nursing problems, what are we missing, right? What's going on with this child, right? What might be happening? Maybe there's a, a rooting reflex uh, issue. Um, maybe they have a diminished rooting reflex, a sucking reflex. What cranial nerves might that be? Right, right, trigeminal, facial, those two nerves uh, are, are play a big factor in in the rooting reflex and sucking reflex. So if you see a child come into your practice and they are not nursing, now there's a zillion reasons, right? There's TMJ and tongue tie, whatever. Um, but it, one thing could also be that um, they, they're having a cranial malposition that's affecting their rooting, uh, I mean, their trigeminal nerve and their facial nerve. So that's the first thing we gotta think about. Now, another kid comes into your practice and they are, <coughs> they are having trouble digesting, right? What nerve is that? right? That's the vagus nerve, right? The vagus nerve, super important, right? They're having trouble sleeping. What nerve is that? The vagus nerve. So uh, here's, here's the deal. If we're not looking at the infant cranium, then we're missing a giant portion of what can be done with this child. You know, uh, Dr. Carol Phillips, one of my uh, cranial teachers, uh, always said, uh, we're, we're, missing, we're missing one third of our work if we're not working on the cranial nerves because we're, we're missing 12 pairs of nerves. So um, it used to be when babies uh, you know, came into the practice, I would uh, adjust them, which is amazing. Uh, but now every baby, 100% of our babies, um, get uh, cranial work to some degree or another um, based upon what they need, right? There's different levels of cranial work. Uh, cranial level one that I call, cranial level one, is the work in which we want them to uh, in which we're working on the cranial rhythmic impulses, ensuring that the cranial rhythmic impulses are equal side to side. Cranial level two 
is when we are uh, do, doing suture work. And, this, and these are my terms, right, my terms. Um, and create level three is when we're doing work um, like uh, actually obviously adjusting uh, the baby's um, uh, craniums. Um, and that's something that uh, ICPA talks about. Um, my advanced class, uh, I talk about how to uh, adjust the cranium using the tonal techniques of cranial level one. Um, in my ICPA class, I, I go over cranial level one and two. Um, so that there's a lot of uh, information that's out there that I think is so super important. And, and now, <clears throat> but you may ask, well, why? Uh, you know, how often does the infant cranium is it affected? And really the question is, is this right here. Um, here is, is an article <clears throat> coming from the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment. But it's called The Incidence of Somatic Dysfunction in Healthy Newborns. The Incidence of Somatic Dysfunction in Healthy Newborns, November 2015, Journal of the American Osteopathic Association. Um, I, first of all, let's talk about this. I have a real big problem with this, uh, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But um, it, great article, but well, let me, let me, let me get to, to why this article is so important. So let's look at the, here's the abstract, and let's look at the results. 100 newborn, <coughs> newborns were examined. 99% of newborns had at least one kind of problem going on with them, either in the cervical, cranial, or sacral area. So 63% uh, had uh, 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 sphenobasilar issues. 95% um, had condylar issues, which is occiput. 85% uh, had temporal issues. 91% um, had cervical issues. 94% uh, had lumbar issues, and 80% had sacral issues. So what does that mean? Is that uh, in a, 99 out of 100 babies had somatic dysfunction after birth. And what is the somatic dysfunction in our terminology? Right, it's subluxation. So what does that mean? What that means is that 99 out of 100 kids were subluxated, right? And he, but here's the crazy thing. Who's doing this research, right? Why is it the Journal of the American Osteopathic you know, Association doing this research? Right? Why, why is that the research? Let's, let's, let's type this for a second. I'm really intrigued. So let's look up Journal of the Manipulative Therap and Physiologic Therapeutics. Let's, let's look at this and see if we can come up with what they're studying now. Right? Let's see their things. All right, look at this. This is perfect. So, uh, first article, characteristics of chiropractic patients being treated for chronic low back and neck pain. Great. Uh, second article, longitudinal observational clinical study of neurophysiological and patient-reported responses to a program of physiotherapy for acute and subacute low back pain. Hmm. Variables, the third article, variables describing individuals improved pain and function with primary complaint, the low back pain, secondary analysis. Who cares? Everyone, pain, pain, pain. Each one of these things is about pain. One's about stroke, that's interesting. But everything else is about pain. This, so this is the, the journal, our main chiropractic journal, and what we're seeing is, is like the main six articles are about pain, and you go into the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association, and they're talking about the incidence of somatic dysfunction. If, if, we, don't, if we don't take this over, someone else is going to, right? You guys, there's a lot of you here, you guys have to understand this is our ballywick, right? And, and we need to be 
to be writing research like this. We need to be studying this. We need to be the ones out front for this, right? Why are we studying back pain, right? Don't we have enough back pain already, right? Hasn't that been studied enough? We need to be studying the incidence of somatic dysfunction. We need to be studying, I'd like to see an article, okay? Incidence of subluxation in healthy newborns. Can we do that? Can we do that? Is that a possibility? I would like to see us do that. I'd like to see you guys, and you guys are the future, right? You guys are the students, you guys are the future. You know, there's a, there are 80 to 100 people in here. When are we gonna do this, right? This is up to you, right? Right, the, the excuse me, the people out there right now who are writing the articles in the big chiropractic journals, they're focusing on spine-based issues because it's so much easier and more exciting right now to go with the opioid crisis and try to, to get that fixed up with us. But I'm telling you, this is our future, right? This is what we need to be studying. The incidence of somatic dysfunction in healthy newborns. We need to be studying this. Let, let me show you another amazing <clears throat> um, article that I think is, is super important. Um, cerebellum autism. Right, the cerebellum, sensitive periods in autism, another amazing article we need to be studying. Why aren't we studying this kind of stuff? The, this is from the journal Neuron, 2014, the cerebellum, sensitive periods in autism. So, so look at this, one of my favorite things to talk about. I know this is sort of a funny kind of word, um, it, right here, developmental diaschesis. Why aren't we talking about developmental diaschesis? This is a developmental subluxation, right? What it shows is that sensory information and other information are getting messed with in the cerebellum. There's a focal injury in the cerebellum. And if there's a focal injury in the cerebellum, it's affecting the thalamus, which is affecting the cortex. And, <coughs> and they're saying what is causing this is potential genes, of course, but then stress in the environment. Why aren't we studying this? Right? What th stresses? Let's think about the three stresses. What are the what three stresses might cause developmental diaschesis? The three T's, right? Trauma, thoughts, toxins. Why aren't we studying this? What what are we thinking of? Right? Why are we researching? Why are we barking up the wrong tree? Right? Can can someone explain this to me? Can one of you students explain this to me? Why we're so bent on 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 looking at characteristics of neck and lower back pain? D haven't we studied that enough? Shouldn't we be focusing on the brain and the nerve system and not the back and the bones, right? So, so to me, the, the cranium, the, the, it, we've got to, to look at the cranium in a special way. We've got to look at each one of the bones. I mean, look how beautiful this, this sphenoid is, right? And look at the size of this sphenoid and then compare it to the baby sphenoid. The baby sphenoid is like the, is like the size of like your, your index finger compared to the adult sphenoid, which is giant bone, right? But I put these two bones, what is, what's this bone? Occiput. So I put these two bones together and see how they move, right? What does is, what is this control? This controls, that's the sphenobasal junction, right? What does this control? This controls the cranorhythmic impulse. This controls the CSF flow, right? So you see how important the cranium is, right? So, so, so now we have to control the CSF, right, because of the cranium. And now we have the cranial, so we have 12 pairs of cranial nerves, which control all these nerves like vagus, facial, trigeminal, et cetera. Then we have the CSF flow because of the sphenobasilar 
uh, junction and the, and the beautiful uh, rhythm that the sphenoid and the occiput go in to make the CSF pump, right? And then there, there is the, the fox cerebri and the fox cerebral and tentorium. And what do they contain? Right? They contain the, the, the blood vessels and the sinuses that allows for, for nutrients to go into the, the, the brain. So it, do you think it's possible? Like here's a kid, here's a kid with flat head syndrome. Right? See how flat his head is? Do you think that this is somehow affecting him more than just his head looking not pretty? Right? So, so yes, his head is not as lovely shaped as it ought to be. I agree. Uh, but th is that the problem? Right? Is that the problem? Is the problem that his head's flat? Or is this problem that his head is flat that is affecting the brain and the nerve system? Because what's happening to the brain and the nerve system right here right, is, is that that flat head is not allowing right, his occiput to be the way it's supposed to be. It's not allowing his brainstem and cerebellum to be the way it's supposed to be. It's not allowing his fox cerebra, his tentorium, to, to work the way it's supposed to work. Do you think maybe there's deprivation in that part of the brain? So putting on a helmet, will that solve the problem? No, all it's going to do is make it look pretty, but that's not what we're looking for. That's not the only thing we're looking for, right? Do you get it? Do you get how important this is, right? The cranium is critical. The cranium isn't just about what it looks like. The cranium is about how it functions. And what we need to do, what we need to do is we need to look at the cranium in a different way. We need to add the cranium to your analysis. And we need to start helping these kids with cranial malpositions the same way we help kids with spinal subluxations. Thank you.